The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber here at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Cramer's at one market in San Francisco. Stocks trying to recover from the Fed hangover, even as other central banks around the world hike rates. Bank of England, the Swiss, Indonesia, Japan propping up the yen for the first time in a quarter century. Two years still above four. The curve still deeply inverted. Our roadmap begins with, quote, we don't know. The Fed updating its plans to slow inflation, but the Fed chair admits it's unclear if that strategy will cause a recession. Plus, home prices are notching what is the biggest drop in nine years, and the market slowdown is weighing on new home orders. We're going to dig into the quarterly results of two home builders. And the SEC reportedly set to stop short of banning payment for order flow as part of a new rules that it's putting out for the equity markets. On that, well, shares of Robinhood are soaring this morning. Let's begin with the markets and the Fed after yesterday's sell-off. Jim, I'm reading your morning note, special carnage edition. What does that mean? Well, I put that out for Investing Club, and uh, this is my morning memo, which I felt I had to be a little more dire, if only because I think the, the Fed, I know David disagrees with me, the Fed's now targeting your savings. They have no choice. They realize that there's been tremendous transfer payments uh, from the government to you, uh, I thought Powell very clearly said these have to run out. They have to run out before spending gets uh, cools off. He wants that. And then, David, I thought that was really interesting was that it wasn't Powell just saying whip inflation now. Powell was saying, look, I don't know. I'll just keep doing it. And that's one of the reasons why I think that the two year is not done the it going down in price and up in yield. Well, he made it very clear, and as he has previously, Jim, that he wants to see slackening the labor uh, market. No doubt about it, right? Yes, um, and, and he did indicate, indi- he did indicate as well that he doesn't know. It's probably worth listening to and then discussing. Take a listen to uh, to Chair Powell from yesterday. We don't know. No one knows whether this process will lead to a recession, or if so, how significant that recession would be. That's going to depend on. Uh, how quickly wage and price inflation, inflation pressures come down, whether expectations remain anchored, uh, and whether, you know, also, do we get more labor supply, which would help as well. Um, nobody, we, you and I don't uh, disagree on that being a goal here, Jim. It's, it, you know, what I was questioning is your idea that somehow people who are on an hourly wage who are no longer working are going to come back because they're seeing their savings depleted as a result of investments in the stock market. That I find a little harder to un- fully understand. But that said, you've been very focused on the slackening of the labor market being a chief goal of the Fed. Well, I think the Fed has to attack your savings. Uh, now, the stock market, I want to say, I want to be very careful. They have to attack your IRA, your 401k, your self-employment plan, plan and your savings. Because this is the only way that Jay Powell seems to be able to figure out how to get more people in the labor force. Now, we're beginning to see that working. So in some ways, when I hear him say we don't know where it goes, it concerns me because he is winning. It's just that I think he doesn't want to win. I think he wants to run away. I think he wants to beat down against inflation. He wants to take a 
you know, it, it, instead of having a, a small W, he wants to really, really crush inflation. And I think that really kind of made, made people very concerned, David, because that kind of win means maybe you got, maybe you were thrown out of job. You, not you literally, but people around the country. <laughs> Although very we never know. <laughs> we never know. One day I could not be at this desk and that'll be it. No, uh, well, no, you'll be there, please. Okay, oh, I will. I'll try to be there for you, Jim. Well, Jim, you point out uh, your savings account, uh, but also your home equity, and I know you met, you noticed today oh. two things. Redfin, uh, luxury home purchases down 28, biggest drop on record. And even in Manhattan, after six months of record high rents, uh, Manhattan rents beginning to plateau here. I thought that was incredible. I saw you tweeted that. And, and Carl, one of the biggest reasons why housing hasn't come down is because people basically are stuck uh, and rents keep going up while they're stuck. Well, if that changes, the mindset's going to be different. Now, we didn't hear that from either KB Homes or we didn't hear it from Menard, meaning that we didn't hear people are just uh, that home prices are actually falling year over year. But we did hear cancellations. We heard pausing and buying. And we heard a term that I've not heard in ages, Carl. People are canceling because of buyer's remorse. That must be music to Jay Powell's ears. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, split this morning because KB Home orders, Jim, down 50. Order volume down 51. I mean, Lennar orders down 12 isn't nearly as bad. And you can see that reflected in the uh, pre-market. Yeah, I mean, look, and yet KB Home has bought stock. I didn't think that they were going to do that. That single longer-term bullishness. The KB Home, these, these actually were very uh, opposite quarters. Uh, Lenar seems to be making a ton of money, and I'm not saying they're not concerned. They see what we see. But both of them have increasing gross margins. And, David, if these yeah. companies are making more year after year, again, that does not fit with what Powell wants. No, I mean, to your point, gross margins at Lenar, I believe, were 29.2%, and they were up 190 basis points uh, year over year. And that's so there you that's, are. That's, I mean, yeah. Again, what Powell is fighting is the idea that people can still raise price. And that gross margin increase was involved with price going higher. And as long as he sees that, he's going to keep raising rates. Yeah. Um, well, when's it going to end, Jim, is the key question. And where? I mean, again, we can just keep asking that question. The market continues to. What's the terminal rate? When are we going to get there? And how long are we going to stay? Well, historically, what happens is you get to equilibrium and then you fall off a cliff. And uh, the cliff, I think, is within the next three months. There will be, if there's buyer's remorse, people will just say, you know what? I'm not buying a house. I can stay where I am or I can move to another place where the rents are lower, as we heard from Carl. You know, Carl, I just think that, that Jay Powell's job right now is to watch because as these quarters are reported, you're not getting strong quarters, but the next thing you're going to get from housing, cancellations and too much inventory. We are not there yet, but historically, when housing rolls over, it rolls over in three months. And that's oh, why Powell's going to pay attention. He's just going to watch. What is he, Chauncey Gardner? He's just going to sit there and watch. I mean, a lot of people criticize the fact that they sat there and watched inflation. You kept well, saying it was transitory. A lot of other people did. And it wasn't. Well, and they should have moved. David, these are gigantic rate increases, just gigantic off of the base. And yet the two years shows you he's going again and he's going again. 
And what will happen, David, is you'll look like a real sucker if you buy a house. That's what's about to occur. You're buying a house in 2008 at this point. And you're going to, as soon as it gets off the lot, you're buying it and it's going down in value. That is what's happening. That's the win for, for Powell. Remember, he wants your house yeah. to go down in price. He wants your stock portfolio to go down. He wants you to feel inflation and be worried about your job. These are the things that happen. None of them are pleasant. I didn't hear anything about Powell saying, and don't worry, we'll get through this. He's not saying that, dude. No, he's no, just you not. Know what? You, uh, Jeffrey Gunlock was a guest on uh, halftime, uh, excuse me, uh, closing bell overtime yesterday with Wapner. Um, always like listening to the Bond King. Remember when he used to come on with us many years ago as well. He seems to be echoing some of the things you're saying, Jim, but take a listen, get your reaction. I think the economy is going to be showing signs of weakening. So I, I do think the unemployment rate is going to go up, and I do think we're headed to a recession. And I, I think the Fed should have uh, paced this differently. But now they're so committed to this 2% that I think the odds of a recession in 2023 are very high. I mean, I would put them at 75%. 75% and or if he's right, what do you want to own and what do you want to not own? Well, I, I think if he's right, you want to own cash uh, because he's obviously going to take down the earnings of a lot of companies. You can find the, the General Mills's, that those companies do well because the raw costs come down, but they're not going to lower the price of cereal to you. Uh, I, the one place I disagree with Gunlock is, is that it's not that the odds of a recession. It's just he doesn't care if we have a recession. That was what he said yesterday. I don't care. Uh, if we have to have one, we have to have one. And I think it'll stop short just because we're beginning to see every cyclical company say the same thing, which is that short term we're bad, longer term we're good. And if short term we're bad, Carl, why do I want to own that company stock given the fact that analysts are going to cut numbers? Right. Carl, one thing you, to Jim's point, you, you've wanted to own was General Mills or Hershey or Kellogg Ooh, or yeah. Campbell's Soup. Ooh, yeah. All of those have been very strong performers. Yep. Uh, and we're going to, you know, we haven't yet mentioned, we actually didn't get to Walmart yesterday, Jim. 40,000 seasonals is not as high as they normally go. Target today saying they're going to do 100K. Uh, and they're going to start uh, Target deal days as early as October 6th. So this, uh, this holiday is, is looking promotional as we expected. Brian Cornell is speaking uh, at the conference that Sol Trujillo is just talking about. And let me tell you, I think that what's going to happen is he's going to say, we have no choice. We have to add people because we still think business is going to be good. But I also think if I'm Target, I'm so glad I took the big charge against inventory, far bigger than Walmart. And Brian Cornell's been saying that. They bit the bullet and it was over. They don't have the inventory hang that Walmart has. So, I, you know, I, I think that people have to understand Target's ahead of the game. That's why they can hire so many people. That's interesting. Uh, the other big story regarding at least cost-cutting, David, is Meta. Uh, the report in the journal looking to cut as much as 10% of expenses pretty soon. Uh, Morgan Stanley actually ups their 23 EPS estimate. Yeah. Sees eight, or, uh, 3 to $8 billion of uh, 23 OPEX savings. Um, there's a guy... Usually he's next to us in the middle here. Yeah. I mean, Jim, you were you were talking about this weeks ago. You know, every so often oh, yeah. I actually give you credit. Really? Yeah. Thank you, David. You know, you're welcome. I thought you were on your phone. I didn't know you were listening. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, yeah, I was listening out of my right ear. But you were oh. talking about the, the, 
this very subject exactly in the same way, that they were culling. None of them seem to like to say that we're actually cutting people, although Wall Street might react positively to more uh, concrete language. But you were talking about this uh, Well, it's not ago. like District 13. I mean, we're, we're not talking about uh, uh, the, the some sort of—it's not a game. It's not the Hunger Games, but they're doing two things. One is, uh, there's a really good piece today I was reading, and it's very, very long, about how uh, the company is cutting their way to a gigantic number, which is something that nobody is thinking about at all. I'm very excited about that because I think that, that there is a lot of fat at Meta. But the other thing, David, that people just are endlessly talking about, monetizing WhatsApp. And I think that's a very, very big deal. It was a major theme at the conference I was I am at. Uh, Brett Taylor talked about it. People are very excited about what's going on at WhatsApp. And I've got to tell you, David, they spun the thing off. The stock would be higher. Hmm. Well, uh, there's a piece on the tape this morning, David, about chief metaverse officers getting multi-million dollar paydays. Uh, P&G, CAA, Crate and Barrel, LVMH, all with the chief metaverse officer. You think we need one? I do. Okay. I do. I, I select you as our chief <laughs> metaverse officer, Carl. Um, do we have the graphic? Because it never, never, you know, always love to see Jim. His, his, uh, I think it was somebody on Twitter said it looks like he's, I won't even say what it looks like. But uh, Jim, again, we've been talking about the metaverse here at this test for quite some time. There it is. Oh, yeah, there he is. Strip club owner, Jim Kramer. Uh, <laughs> with somebody on Twitter. I can't get it on my head every time I see that. But Jim, um, you've t- I mean, listen, the, the commercial opportunity in the metaverse, to be serious about it, and by the way, Disney, obviously, we, I talked to JPEG about this last week. He doesn't call it the metaverse, but he has a different name for it because not everybody wants to adopt uh, Meta's name for it, um, is seen as significant. And you're going to have to have a presence there. Clearly, as Carl just said, you're going to have people you're paying millions of dollars to set your strategy. Look, I think that when I speak to NVIDIA, Jensen Wong, when I speak to, to Brett Taylor, when I go through all its uh, co-CEO of Salesforce, when I went through all yesterday the different booths of Salesforce, uh, I know this is probably not what you guys want to hear, but we're going to have to have a special five-minute meta piece. We're going to have to be in the meta mall. Yes, the three of us. That's how powerful this is, and it may replace a lot of what we see and hear about us. But we're going to have to be in, in every every show is going to have to be in there for at least for a few minutes. It's that but do powerful. we have to spend like do we have to spend like ten minutes trying to high five each other? Can we move? Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Can we move past well, this? You playing patty I gotta cake? I got to tell you, you know, it, it's, oh, here uh, I go. It's where people are going to be selling things because it's so easy to try close on and then click and buy. The meta is going to be a place that we all go to to buy or sign up for things. It's much more powerful than any other thing I've seen in terms of buy sign up, except for Amazon and Google. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's great. Amazing. People are writing in. They're saying, look, I remember, Jim, when my company got their first social media director. People are like, what? Mm-hmm. What's that for? Uh, doesn't look so silly now. No, we are definitely going to have to have a social media director, our company, every company, that just deals with Meta because there are going to be people strolling through the mall every day, and you're going to have to have presence in that mall, including people like us, because our, we have a subscription business. So you better believe we're going to be in the Meta Mall. We have to have our own name for it, though. David, why don't you mull over what, what the name should be, because I know I will this give is something you're thought. very excited about. 
Thank you. I will give it some, some real thought. I don't want to use Thank meta. We're going to come up with something else. And I'm going to make you look a little different in our, uh, in our meta mall. Not, I'm not well, happy with you. I think I look fabulous, frankly. You, you, you do. Yeah, you do. You're running from the feds every day there, but you're, you're looking good. <laughs> when we come back, why shares of Robinhood are up sharply this morning and where the SEC fits into that picture. Take a look at the pre-market. We'll get to, to CRM a little bit more there with Jim, uh, Darden, and a bunch of calls today on uh, Square or Block, Novavax, Lilly, Micron AMD in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Robinhood's going to open up uh, better than 8% this morning. According to Bloomberg, the SEC is poised to let Wall Street keep payment for order flow transactions, Jim. That would be definitely good news for Hood's strategy. Oh, look, this is a stunning victory. And it's stunning because a lot of people felt that the government would say, this has to end. Uh, it's been going on, and it's got to ban be banned because these companies are making too much money off you. The government has totally reversed its position as far as I'm concerned. Now they're saying as long as this is just bothers me, David, you know that they do this. As long as they're transparent, they can do it. David, you know that the average investor doesn't know if they see whether it's transparent. Uh, they'll, they'll make a decision. I think the better way to say it was, hey, you know what? This isn't hurting you. You're getting the same price as everybody else. But the idea that all that matters is transparency is what they've done with SPACs, is what they've done with bad IPOs, it's what they've done with bad projections. And now they're saying, listen, as long as you know that you could be gaffed, it's fine. Is that really a strategy? I'm not sure it is. But, you know, I also would caution to a certain extent we may want to wait to actually see what the SEC says. It's a Bloomberg story. They uh are, um, are sourcing uh, people familiar with the matter. But they do go on in this story, and that's all I have to refer to because I, I haven't done reporting on this, uh, that the SEC, Jim, may still enact other changes that make the practice less profitable. That, again, well, according to those same people familiar with the matter. So we may want to wait to see the fine print here. You're absolutely right, but that must happen. There must be a level that the government deems is gouging. Carl, they, you can gouge on payment for order flow. You can make so much money if you want to. And I, I believe Robinhood has made a ton of money. Robinhood would say, listen, 
our prices are just as good as everybody else. I come back and say, well, you know what? They better stay there because if you go over a certain threshold, then we're going to come after you. Because right now it seems very toothless. But Dave is right. We haven't seen the whole statement, but this is a huge win for Robinhood because this is how they make their money. They're not making a lot of money on custody. So uh, stock goes higher, higher than this, certainly. Yeah. Uh, and then t- tangentially, we'll watch uh, all things crypto today. Uh, these reports, David, of FTX uh, raising a billion dollars at a valuation of 32 billion, which would be in line with the prior round. Yeah, that's our Kate Rooney reporting on that. Obviously, she also sat down recently with uh, Sam Bankman, Freed. The JPM of crypto, as we like to refer to him. Hey, how about uh, what JPM hey, any, said any about company, crypto, David? Yeah, well, any company that can keep its valuation at the same level in this market, uh, they're doing something right. So you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But most most uh, new offerings are going to bring down your valuation, given what's gone on over the last gone on over the last six months, Jim. How much, David, does Jay Powell want to see uh, Bitcoin below ten thousand? Wouldn't he just say, "Yes, we're winning"? You know, I I, I, I don't know. I, I don't cool. know. Is that really? Is he is he going to get excited if Bitcoin trades below ten thousand? Has he ever been excited about anything? <laughs> he's, he's very calm. Very, very even keel. And then we did, he didn't even mention Diamond yesterday at the at the house, calling crypto what decentralized Ponzi schemes. Oh, um, I love I love Jamie. So hurricane coming up to crypto. Yep. Sam, we'll get what more you to what Sam d- Bankman then pause and then free. Because that's like Jay P. Morgan. That's my new way of doing it. Sam Bankman, free. (laughs) When we come back, Kramer's Mad Dash will count down to the opening bell as uh, we got a collective, according to Vital Knowledge today, 580, 62 basis points in aggregate hikes this week alone. And we're not done yet. We're back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Take a look at futures here and yields. There's the two-year, cracked above four yesterday uh, for the first time in over a decade. Now four, almost 4.09. Uh, the twos, tens have inverted uh, up to 51 basis points early, earlier this morning. That's the widest since 2000. A quick reminder here, CNBC's Delivering Alpha returns in person this Wednesday. You can hear what the world's top investors have to say about navigating this market. Just use the QR code to register. We are back in a moment. All right, let's get to a mad dash before we get you to an opening bell. Darden is the name. Uh, margins are not the game here, are they? No. Uh, what we're seeing here, David, is precisely what the Fed is worried about. About labor costs up 7.9%. Food and beverage up 16% year over year. There is also a sense that these costs are not, not done going higher. But on the other side, they've got some things that are good. They don't need to discount. They still have same-store sales that aren't that far off. The stock is up 14% for the year, so it will come down. But, David, this is not a win for J-Pow. Because if they continue to say that food and beverage up 16%, that stays, then you know that, that J-Pow even has to take aim at Olive Garden. You're my but favorite But they are talking Italian. about lower... 
lower income, lower income consumers having some stress, aren't they, Jim? But no discounts. No discounts. No free pasta if you just walk by us things. There is no, when we see discounts to get people in, when we see labor costs down, when we see food costs down your rear, then J-Pal, I'm going to treat him to the, a meal at, at Olive Garden. I may take him to Capitol Grill. Guys, let's get the opening bell here and the CNBC Real-Time Exchange of the big board. It's Amprius, maker of lithium-ion batteries, celebrating its recent listing via SPAC. At the NASDAQ, it is Rumble, an online video sharing platform, also celebrating its recent listing via uh, Interesting, Jim, there's, um, we mentioned uh, lithium, lithium-ion batteries. Uh, Ford's got a statement out a few moments ago, uh, going to have their financial chief manage supply chain uh, on, a, on a global basis, on, on, on an interim basis. And you got uh, Tesla recalling about a million because of some uh, detection problems with the automatic reversal system. A lot going on in cars and supply. Right. Well, I had Kyle Vogel this week, and he is in charge of, of GM's self-driving. And he's talking about, look, we got to do all this stuff in-house, including building our chips. We're going to be like Tesla. I put those words in his mouth, but basically, we're not going to worry about supply chain. We're taking care of ourselves. We can do the software. We can do the hardware. Ford has to get on that game plan. Uh, right now, it, it seems that almost every day there's bad news out of Ford. And even though cars and trucks are selling well, if they're going to do uh, the kinds of numbers they're talking about for, uh, for when it comes uh, to what I would regard as being all EV, which is where they ultimately want to go, well, they got to they get control of that supply chain. If you're at the mercy of these different companies, they're not going to give you what you need. I think Kyle Voigt, remember, Kyle Voigt is in charge of, of the things that we see everywhere here in San Francisco, which is self-drive. And GM wants to own the supply chain. Jim Farley wants to own EV, but is not talking about controlling the supply chain. And that's, to me, a very big problem. We didn't really get to uh, Salesforce, Jim. You know, it's been such a tough tape all week long, but some of these operating margin targets and revenue targets for 2025, 2026 are pretty interesting. I was surprised uh, that people uh, would actually buy the stock on this. The reason I say that is because Salesforce has become maybe one of the most hated stocks out there. It's in the Dow. Uh, the, the projections they're making, the 50 billion, the margin expansion, uh, and this Brett Taylor made on our show, I, I thought that was extraordinary. And the people should, uh, really just take a look at this company and say, you know what, maybe their products are more indispensable than we think. David, i got to tell you, I think Salesforce is, is doing incredibly well, but they have the dollar. They're huge in Japan. They're huge in Europe. So you're going yep. to have people say, you know what, they're going to be hurt by currency. The issue, David, as far as I'm concerned, is when will we say, you know what, let's forget about currency. Everyone's hurt by it. Let's focus on core growth, X currency, and it's real good. And that's what Salesforce is going to have. Uh, well, you had, uh, obviously, Brett Taylor, who's the co-CEO of the uh, company, on with you last night on Mad Money. And he was talking about scale and their commitment to, obviously, uh, profitability and particularly uh, cash flow and shareholder returns. Take a listen. 
As we scale, we're committed to profitability and cash flow and shareholder returns. We know it's, I think, two really significant things. As you know, we have a $50 billion revenue target for fiscal year 26. With that, uh, we committed to over 25% operating margin when we reached that milestone. We announced a big $10 billion share repurchase that our board authorized in the last earnings call. And we said we're going to allocate 30 to 40% of our free cash flow to return to our shareholders going forward. 30 to 40% going back to shareholders. Uh, I want to get your take on that, Jim, but then I also want to find out, did he say anything at all about Twitter? Sure. Well, first, this big pivot for Salesforce, uh, they're always talking about growth. Now they're talking about profitable growth. Uh, they're talking about the, a big target for revenue, but they're also saying, listen, shareholders, you're going to get capital. That has not been Salesforce's way. They just they had just been buying company after buying company after buying company. I pulled a switcheroo on, on uh, Mr. Taylor, what I said was, look, uh, I can talk about Twitter because I didn't want him to say I can't talk about Twitter. Um, but he actually, I thought, I, I, I think he made you feel that that Elon Musk is very much, Elon Musk might own that company. He did not say yeah. that point blank. But I think no. the perception is among everybody, and I think in his team, uh, his team at Salesforce, not his team at Twitter, is that Elon Musk is about to be handed, handed one of the great pieces of real estate, which is Twitter, and Twitter may be actually doing well. And that is, is what Brett said, that Twitter's doing well. You know, David, that's mm. not been an narrative at all. No, that's not the consensus. You said it yesterday, which seems to be more if this deal were to break and this were simply to be trading on its fundamentals and or lack of them, the stock might be as low as 15, which means that at 54.20, uh, well, you could argue Mr. Musk would be overpaying significantly for this asset, which, of course, Twitter argues is the only reason that he wants to get out and has nothing to do with his claim that the um, proportion of bots on the uh, platform is far in excess of anything they've said. Remember, it's not just that he can say that and might even be true. He's got to prove intent, fraud, and a material adverse effect on the merger agreement. And so to your point, Jim, there is a, a belief amongst those who own the stock here, certainly, and many others who are following the case, that uh, the judge or Chancellor McCormick in this case may well order specific performance, which would mean, Mr. Musk, you need to buy this company on the terms that you agreed to, 5420. We'll see. Right. Now, Brett did not We're a little say less anything than a month about out from the beginning. Yeah. Right. But, he said uh, nothing about any of those things. He did just say, look, the company's doing well. Would not comment mm -hmm. on anything involving, involving litigation. But, David, I got to right. ask you. If the company's doing well, does anybody care right now? If the company, I'm sorry, I'm not following the question. If the well, company I mean, is doing well, yeah. I mean, all these companies, they always, do you think that, that Meta says it's doing poorly? I mean, Pinterest, no one ever comes out and says, listen, we're doing poorly right now. What a great opportunity for, uh, for buyers. Uh, in this case, the buyer's Elon Musk. It was, I found reassuring that, that Brett said that, you know, Twitter's doing fine. Uh, not reassuring that he would, well, he's not allowed to comment on Musk, but I still think, no, David, no. this stock I mean, goes down substantially. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. If this deal, if Musk were to be let out of the deal or with a small payment or something along those lines, uh, the stock collapses. There's just no collapses. doubt about it. It collapses. Um, I think that that's totally said, right. you know, the key question for Mr. Taylor will be, uh, do they decide in some way to try to enter some sort of settlement toss with Musk, given the risk, however small it may be, 
that they don't get specific performance in court and therefore are willing to take three, four, five bucks off that purchase price to guarantee that Mr. Musk will step up and buy it. No, no sign yet. No sign yet they're willing to do that, Jim, but none. You know, we're still a ways out from the trial beginning. Uh, I, I think that the way that the market is treating these kinds of stocks, uh, the people who are on in Twitter right now at this price, they uh, they need they need uh, a completed deal with Musk, or else they're going to lose a ton of money. Yeah. Speaking of confident CEOs, uh, Satya Nadella said he's confident that company's going to gain its regulatory approval for the Activision deal. Um, quoted as saying, of course, any acquisition of this size will go through scrutiny, but we feel very, very confident that we will come out. Uh, that was an interview on a competitor. Um, come out on top is basically what he means. Uh, you know, again, there's another deal that there's certainly some questions about, Jim, although there I hear a lot more positive things about the fundamentals of Activision Blizzard, particularly as this year ends and next year moves along in terms of Call of Duty, what they can do there, the next iteration, and the fundamentals sort of catching up with what you know was a lag for quite some time. It could be very interesting to see if they don't do something spin-off, something e-gaming, because remember, Microsoft wants the, the software, but there is an incredible e-gaming component that's buried within that. And what you want to watch, I think, is any sign that there's, they're already planning on doing that because it would make you feel more confident the deal w- would close. I think it's something that's going to make it so Bobby Kodak is able to really achieve what he wants to achieve, which is universal e-gaming and playing it everywhere. Competitive e-gaming. Uh, Jim, uh, defense names again uh, in focus. Uh, I think it's Greg Valier this morning uh, in his DC note says that the overriding discussion right now uh, in the Beltway is increased funding uh, for the Pentagon in light of threats from Iran, North Korea, clearly what's happening uh, regarding Russia and Ukraine. Uh, the fact that they, we've depleted a lot of our arsenal is extraordinary. I mean, how, how do we let that happen? Uh, the higher tech weapons that we could have a shortage in some of these? I mean, that's outrageous. That's why Lockheed Martin could go to 500. I mean, who's ever thought that we don't have enough that the Pentagon can't send a bunch of Javelin missiles and still have a lot of Javelin missiles? I was I found this extraordinary. So, yes, I know Poland has to bulk up. I know every, every country that is adjacent, a NATO country that's adjacent to Russia has to bulk up. There's just not enough weapons out there. That stock can go much higher than where it is now. It's probably maybe the bluest of the blue chips, David, because everything they have is in demand worldwide. Hmm. It's already up. Yeah, there it is for two years as well. Looking a lot better than the broader market uh, to a certain extent. Well, the uh, semis, another name that it, semis. Yeah. What about semis? They're leading us down again. They're the leadership group in a negative way. Well, you got a couple things working against them. Uh, it's today, City, uh, Jim, on Micron, uh, as DRAM uh, prices plunge, they see them cutting spending by 40% on Micron. And then, of course, uh, uh, Intel and AMD, uh, B of A, cutting some numbers. You know, this is incredible. I, I had a couple companies. I had Marvell on yesterday at Skyworks. Their orders are extraordinary. No pause whatsoever. At the same time, when you're hearing what the analysts are saying, you have to say, wow, what's going to happen to LAM Research, uh, which makes a lot of the uh, the computer equipment that, that is needed in order to continue to have uh, Micron grow. We are in a major correction when it comes to inventory. And don't forget, that extends to NVIDIA. 
they are in correction mode and inventory depletion mode. And that's why if you look at the stock of NVIDIA, it, it, it can't find a bottom. Yeah, it, it, uh, well, neither can Intel. Neither can Intel, Jim, right? Right no. at a 52-week low at 28.25. That's it. That's the low. Wow. Um, only $116 billion market value now. Wow. These it's are the worst stocks in the market. But They're the worst just... stocks in the market. When do you want to consider owning them? I mean, you know, some people look at that and go, all right, things been almost cut in half. And obviously, go back even longer. Probably take a look at a tenure on Intel. You have not been positive on it uh, no. for quite some time. Um, no, I, that that's interesting. That, that tenure helps. I, I, I mean, that's, reason, no. I can't come up with not a pretty. That is I mean, not what, pretty. Mobileye, the spinoff? I mean, look, I, I had uh, Liam Griffin on from, from Skyworks. He's got unbelievable orders, and the stock's at eight times earned. Eight times earnings for a, a semiconductor company with Apple as a customer and doing amazing. So why should I pay 12 times earnings for Intel if I could buy Skyworks at eight times with a better order book? It makes no sense to me. There's a lot it of It means Intel's going to eight times earnings. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm looking at our parent company again down to $32.44 as Comcast. Trades it less than six times EBITDA. Well, I, uh, we I are, mean, you know, the, the, some of these numbers, Carl, just in terms of losses on the year to date are extraordinary. Yep. Disney down 33 percent for the year. Warner Brothers Discovery, a new 52 week low, down 50 percent for the year. Netflix still down 61 percent for the year and on and on from there. I mean, it's a, it's a reminder, Jim, we we are in the back half of September. And we've been talking about weak seasonality for a while. Actually, Stiefel this morning uh, takes a look at October, which is sometimes called a bear killer, right? As seasonality improves, they still say 4,400 uh, for Q4 and Q1 on the assumption that the Fed doesn't get incrementally hawkish from here. And as a result, you get, uh, you get tips uh, reversing course. That's exactly where I am. I think the Fed basically jawboned you to a much higher Fed funds rate. Maybe they don't have to do that. Uh, we got to get through this month. That's what I've been telling people. We must get through September. I'm not saying it's a promised land. It's not milk and honey on the other side. But this month is horrendous, and it's not going to change. We got to get through it. And it. This kind of action, this bear market action, is just driving people away. Uh, and uh, there are stocks, as David said. When you look at a, a, a Warner Brothers Discovery, that's a real company. Gigantic company. And the thing is just in free fall. I've got, I can give you 100 stocks in free fall. If we want to take during the break, I'll just tick off 100 stocks in free fall. It is just incredible well, out there. I mean, we started talking. Yeah, Meta is down again. Uh, had, had, had looked up ever so briefly. I mean, free fall free is down falling. 58%. 58% for the year. You know, it's, but General um, Mills is up. Yes. Cheerios. Cheerios. Cheerios is up. Yep. General Mills is up. Kellogg's up. Campbell Soup's the, had a good year. Worst, the worst leadership group in the world, Carl. You, this is the absolute word. This, this has no followers. These are companies that have raised prices to you and have raw costs coming down. There's about five of them left. At one time, there would have been like 20 or 30. They can't merge because the antitrust won't let them. So yeah, we end yeah, up, yeah. we don't have anybody. That, if that's what we're going to cheer for, go to the supermarket. I don't know. Well, we've been talking about this. A lot of these consumer packaged goods and grocers, like they... They keep talking about inflation because they, they kind of want to keep their pricing where it is where for it as is. long as they possibly can. Absolutely. Speaking Good of pricing, winners. guys, just to end on one, Jim, that we haven't talked about that often, United Healthcare is up 24% for the year. 
and now it is one of the largest market cap companies, it's bigger than Nvidia again. Four hundred and eighty well, billion dollars. Good old they UNH. Got they got, they got their way. change healthcare deal done. Remember, yep. now people are talking about healthcare costs going up. It's just house playing whack-a-mole. There's a lot of plates, a lot of plates spinning. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, that said, uh, CRM. Chevron, Merck uh, helping to keep the Dow's losses limited to 136. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. Morning, Carl. United Health, uh, Chevron, also one of the few gainers of the year. So once again, high print of the day, right at the open. Dow was positive for uh, about uh, 30 seconds <laughs> and then went negative. We're sitting at the lows for the day. Uh, it's hard to keep moving. Three year is, uh, two years at 410 right now. Uh, the 10-year at 3.65, I see. Hard to get the stocks up when we're at those kinds of levels. Take a look at the sectors. Uh, oil's stable around $85 the last few days, so that's up. Uh, a little bit of hiding in consumer staples and healthcare, not much. Tech's down, as you can see, in the transports. That's another new low for the transports. Uh, Jim was talking about freefall. We're starting to hit some significant uh, new 52-week lows uh, in the S&P 500 and some uh, big cap energy, uh, excuse me, big cap tech names, new lows here, Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft. Micron. Intel's been at new lows for many days, uh, essentially, but uh, this is a new class here to join the, the new low list. And the Dow, uh, Visa, Verizon, see Walgreens, uh, elsewhere, MasterCards at a new 52-week low. Kind of surprising, you might think. Uh, so the question is, how do you price stocks at this level? That's the problem. We really have a problem because this, the Fed's higher for longer creates very wide ranges of outcomes in the earnings and potential multiple. And simply put, a wider outcomes means higher volatility, which is exactly what we're getting. So what's the right earnings for 2023, for example, the consensus is up 8% right now. Just put that back for a minute. The important thing is, what are we doing here? Is it going to be up 8% flat or is it going to be down 20%? Uh, what's the right multiple for 2023? Is the right multiple 13, which is recessionary, or is it 15, or is it 17? We don't know. And depending upon what your position is, you can get a very wide range in estimates for the S&P 500. So a good one is, uh, look at uh, Julian Emanuel from Evercore. Today, he had pretty much consensus for 2022 uh, earnings at 221. Um, and the consensus is 225. He's keeping that. But he had a very high estimate for 2023. He's now flat. Same number. Zero growth in 2023. The consensus is 243. You see how off it is. So you change these estimates here 15, 16, 17 times or 200 or 221. You get very wide ranges of outcome. You could have 3,000. You could have 3,200. You could have 3,600. What's the right earnings number and what's the right multiple? And nobody knows. That's the problem because... The Fed is creating so much uncertainty out there. The one thing that's for sure is everybody is bearish. Did you see these AAII numbers, the American Association of Individual Investors? Look at the 61% bearish. I think there's five times in history it's been 61% bearish. So the, historically, it's about 32% uh, are, are bearish. Bullish, 17%. Historically, it's 38%. So remember, these are sentiment indicators. So sentiment indicators are contrarian indicators. So extraordinary high levels of bearishness is actually good signs for at least short-term market bottoms. This is why they're used. They're only Sentiment indicators really are only useful at extreme levels. This, 61%, that's pretty extreme level, Carl. And obviously, there's so much pessimism out there that nobody particularly thinks this is a bottom, but certainly a lot of people out there uh, at the American Association of Individual Investors are not optimistic. 
for the next several months. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. Thank you, uh, Bob Pisani. Quick reminder, as we go to break, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Kramer. You can sign up, find out more at CNBC.com slash join the club. Or, of course, we provide the QR code on your screen. It takes you right there. As we go to break, it's going to be hard to take your eyes off uh, yields today. Two-year, 411, and the 10-year. Uh, Three, six, five. Dow's down 125. Don't go away. It's about a nine to one down day on the NASDAQ 100 this morning, led by some big uh, laggards. Airbnb, CrowdStrike, NVIDIA. We mentioned uh, chips a moment ago. DocuSign as well. Initiate uh, over at Moffitt. Underperformed. Target of 58. Dow's down 141. Stop trading with Jim is next. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. All right. So earlier, David asked me, what, what can you buy? And I'm continuing to say you can buy healthcare, care, uh, drugs, uh, food, uh, anything in the supermarket. And that me- brings me to Eli Lilly. Uh, Eli Lilly, people are talking about this may be the biggest drug of all time, a drug that's a weight loss drug with no side effects. And that is propelling a lot of uh, the analysts to say this is the one to own. My Chapel Trust owns it. I believe that this is the kind of stock you can buy. I do hear that when it's nine to one down. You have to find something in tech to buy as tough as it is. Yeah, uh, you're right about Lilly. UBS goes to buy uh, new target 363. Pretty interesting, Jim. So tonight you got Slack and Splunk. Okay, so Slack is owned by Salesforce, but it's such an important driver of their business. I got to speak to Stuart. And then Gary Steele's turning around Splunk. Uh, This is a kind of indispensable tech. That people uh, basically are saying, you know what, I don't care what the Fed does. we got to find out. Because right now, Carl, it is a free-falling market. And we should, the late Mark Haynes always said when it's 9 to 1, find something to buy. And that's what I'm going to do as soon as I leave the desk. Uh, Jim, we got a lot of work to do uh, today before the week is out. But you do have the yeah, VIX back above 28. Uh, and sentiment, buy. as you said. Uh, lousy as we expected uh, going into the back half of September. We'll see you tonight, of course, uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Dow is down 131. S&P 37.65. Basically, it's about 125 points now above the June low. We're back in a moment. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.